Hey, Bobby here. Before we get started with the show, a couple of things I gotta say about it. First off, Tony's got some demons or something in his house. They gave him a lot of grief with his stream. They were moving his camera around or something halfway through. It froze his camera. It did all kinds of stuff. But that actually turned out to kind of be a good thing because I had to pause the, re- the stream and then restart it where we were we had, had left off with everything fixed. What I didn't realize was up to that point, none of my audio had been recorded. So half of the show had none had didn't have my audio at all. So what I've done is I've gone back and I've added myself in, recorded myself saying about what I said to Tony after the fact. I've covered it up somewhat with some pictures or with some video here and there. But for the most part, you're just going to see, you're going to hear me talking. And if you're watching the video, you're going to see my mouth moving and saying something completely different because it's not quite matched up. But it is basically what I said to Tony as much as I remember in those moments. Even if it's not exactly perfect, it is pretty much what I said, and it is what our conversation was uh, genuinely. Just me having to re-record my side up until a certain point, and you'll see it. We'll come back, and it'll be obvious that it's actually me in the moment talking. So just so you're aware, uh, that's what happened here, and that's how I had to deal with it. I was, I'm disappointed because I think this is one of our better episodes so far, and I still think that. Um, it just kind of pulls out some of the witty back and forth that we had. On the other hand, I got to go in and edit and make some things better and clean some things up. So, hey, Tony's got a really, really squeaky chair this week that was just awful. And this actually helped pull some of that squeakiness out a little bit. So, there's good and there's bad. But I just wanted to give everyone a warning before you head in so that way you know what's going on. Enjoy the show. Today, on the Buckle Bomb Show, we discuss the legend that was Antonio Inoki, Candice LeRae returns to the WWE, and more White Rabbit clues seem to zero in on Bray Wyatt. All that and more, starting now. Hello and welcome to the Buckle Bomb Show here at Bomb Media Productions. I'm your host, Bobby, and I am so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again. I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Anthony Roan. Tony, you scrumptious little cupcake sprinkle you. How you doing, buddy? You know, I had a whole funny thing planned for this, but after the night we've been having trying to get this bullshit rolling, this might be the last time anyone sees me alive. (laughs) Fucking Christ. All right, let's jump right into it. The wrestling world has lost a legend this past Friday. Antonio Noki has died at the age of 79. He is an absolute legend in uh, the wrestling business, among other places. He got his start in the wrestling business in 1960 under the tutelage of Ricky Dozon. 
uh, for those that don't know a lot of their Japanese wrestling history, Ricky Dozon is basically the father of wrestling Puriso in Japan. And uh, you have him, and then you have Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki. Those are your three biggest and most important people in the history of Japanese wrestling. Uh, Giant Baba with All Japan Wrestling and Antonio Inoki, who created and founded New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, He was trained by Ricky Dozan and... Uh, Carl Gotch actually um, had quite the career. Uh, then he, in 1972, he founded NJPW, uh, was the very first IWGP champion. Of course, he had a lot of matches all over the world. He had that famous match with Muhammad Ali and a lot of others. He was uh, famously, or sort of infamously, a WWF champion uh he defeated bob backland on uh november 30th 1979 bob backland would win the rematch in december 6th but it would be declared a no contest due to interference from tiger jeet singh and anoki would remain champion but anoki refused the title he didn't want to keep the title after losing to bob backland so the title was declared vacant uh, Bob Backlund would later beat, I believe it was Bobby Duncan in a Texas death match uh, to regain the title on December 12th. WWE records have no mention of this. It's just one continuous reign for Bob Backlund. They'd never mention him losing it to Antonio Inoki. It's, it's off the record books and unrecognized. But uh, I did find pictures... While researching Inoki, he did at one point. I could, I had, I saw a picture of him wearing the big gold belt, the NWA World Championship. Though I, I found nothing in my research that said he, uh, he never was NWA World Champion. I don't know when that was. Uh, but he had quite the career, and he was also a politician. Uh, he was in the House of Councilors in 1989 to 1995 in Japan, and then it, once again in 2013, right up until 2019, very recently. And uh, was very, very popular over in Japan. Tony, what are your thoughts on the legacy of Antonio Inoki? You know, Inoki is one of those uh, guys, like, he's one of the first people to actually, like, transcend transcend wrestling. Um, famously wrestled Muhammad Ali. Uh, that. To this day, if you ask me one of what one of my favorite wrestling videos of all time is, it's not even a wrestling match. It was Inoki's send-off as a professional wrestler from New Japan. And literally, like all the all the wrestlers in the back and people in the crowd, just it seemed like a never-ending line of people kept coming down the ramp to receive a final honorary slap to the face from Inoki. Um Without Anoki, we don't have things like Collision Course, the uh, famed New Japan WCW crossover show in North Korea. And that that right there alone speaks volumes to the kind of man Antonio Anoki was. Uh, 
to this day, even some would say, you know, it takes a certain set of intestinal fortitude to want to even be anywhere near North Korea. Antonio Noki somehow made it so a bunch of Gaijin Americans got smuggled into the country. There's just so many things you can say about the legacy of Anoki, and it just, you know, it's mind-blowing to me. And I'd like to apologize to everybody because I'm still processing this. I didn't find out about his passing until right before we started recording. Um, So, yeah, it's just very, very taken aback. You know, you mentioned there the Muhammad Ali Antonio Noki match from 1976 in Tokyo. That is one of the biggest sporting events of the 20th century. Uh, It was broadcast, I believe, to 150 different countries, something like that. And all over the U.S. on closed circuit TV. I know uh, Vince Sr. in New York uh, had an entire card. I believe it was called uh, Showdown at Shea. And sold 32,000 plus tickets, I believe, to Shea Stadium. Where they had a whole undercard. They had uh, Bruno San Martino defend his uh, world championship. And they had their own boxer versus wrestler match where uh, Andre the Giant faced Chuck Wepner. And then for the main event was the closed circuit telecast of Muhammad Ali and Antonio Noki. That was a big deal, big deal over the country. And uh, it was also, you know, one of those things talking about that match, Antonio Noki was kind of a forefather of modern MMA and the UFC, too, in in certain respects, because he was very big. He was a shooter, a hooker, catch wrestler, you know, uh, all those things that sort of became what MMA is to to a certain degree today. And those sort of cross-promotional, cross-sports matches where you have, oh, hey, you have a boxer versus a wrestler. You can have a martial artist versus a wrestler or versus a boxer and all this stuff and had these matches with these different sort of rules and maybe grappling would be part of the rules in this one but not in this type and and eventually that would the that sort of style of sport would become a catch-all with mixed martial arts all in there at once and he was big on that and in promoting that and was friends with a lot of people like the Gacy's family and uh, Gene LaBelle and all that stuff. So he was big on that end as well. Yeah, and more specifically to your point, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he also competed in. But some would say he's even the grandfather of Pancrease, what we know as Pancrease, that uh, it was a promotion for a little while that gave us stars like Boss Rutten. Uh, if anybody's familiar with UFC and know anything about him, uh and then just to just Unoki's credit, man, like you said, mentioned he's part Korean. If anybody knows anything about the Ricky Dozan story and why he was murdered, it had to do with his Korean heritage. So to think about how far they've come as people from Ricky Dozan to Antonio Inoki, again, another thing that speaks volumes about his character. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. Candice LeRae has made her return to the WWE 
Not just that, but Jimmy Gargano's wife has debuted on the main roster for Raw this past Monday night. She would get a big victory over Nikki A.S.H. And next week, she is in a match against, I believe it's uh, Dakota Kai of Damage Control. Tony, what do you think of the return of Candice LeRae? First off, I got but Johnny Gargano. <laughs> I said Jimmy, didn't I? Yep, yep, yep. It's okay. I know you're pushing for that honorary status. It is what it is. But uh, honestly, dude, I, I totally forgot what Candice LeRae's theme song sounded like. So uh, whenever her song started playing to come out against Nikki A.S.H., I was like, what big signing did Triple H pull out of the hat? You know, no pun intended for what's to come. But, uh, and then you see the, you see Candice LeRae come out and it just, it made me like excited. Like there's another crucial piece to the women's division that is much needed. Something we talk about all the time in across professional wrestling, but in Specifically, the WWE women's division. So many injuries right now. It's so plagued. You don't really... I I hate to say you don't really have that big star or the next person for Bianca to wrestle or the next person for Liv to wrestle or Ronda. We'll see how that goes. But between all the factions that are taking place right now and, you know... Them unfortunately booking damage control into being the complete total opposite of what you and I were hoping for. Candice LeRae was a much welcomed face to come back, but I think there was a bigger story that took place in that match other than Candice LeRae coming back. If you notice at the end of the match, Nikki A.S.H. was in the corner and she had her mask off. And she was just kind of looking at, like, this is the dumbest fucking gimmick, and this is hindering me so much that we're finally just going to get fucking Nikki Cross back. Thank God. For sure, Nikki losing the almost superhero gimmick would be fantastic, whether she goes back to Cross or is just Nikki or has some other name. It, it really doesn't matter at this point. Losing the ASH gimmick would be great. And uh, uh, hopefully, Dewdrop, something can happen there. She could. Uh, go the same route since they're kind of a team but uh, as far as Candice LeRae goes you know she's facing Dakota Kai this coming Monday night and it looks like she's going to be placed up against damage control I was wondering where you see this going and if you think they're they're going to continue putting her up against damage control she's been uh, or uh, I thought you know, we've got Survivor Series coming up with War Games, and there's going to be a Women's War Games, five on five. You've got Damage Control on one side, plus two other people. And on the other side, you'd have uh, Asuka, uh, Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss. Um, of course, we have a, you have a theory about... White Rabbit stuff in the next segment. Maybe something might happen there. Might switch one of those people around. We can talk about that when we get there. But I, you know, I think you could fit Candice LeRae right into the babyface side of that against 
uh, damage control in the Survivor Series War Games match. Now, you said something about booking damage control uh, poorly there. Uh, I don't think I agree with that. What, what did you mean by that? So, we had this discussion when damage control came back at SummerSlam. Even before they were called damage control. Um, that we were hoping that they were going to get booked kind of like a female New World Order, right? And to be honest, at first I saw it. And then during the women's tag team tournament, I kind of had to go, well, they are just coming back. Maybe it's not their time just yet. You know, I, I disagree. I mean, I I know they didn't win the tag team title tournament that was a bit of a shock to me for sure i I do think they should have won it probably though it did good to put over uh rodriguez and Aaliyah. uh they got it back they got the titles back pretty quickly they're wearing them now and i think they still got their heat i don't think it was that big of an issue okay they they had their heat i'll give that to you but then you gotta look at it from the perspective of Win loss. That for me, that's a big part of it. I know everything's subjective when it comes to professional wrestling, but if you look at the win loss record, it just seems like more often than not you see damage control taking the three count. Yeah, but but when you're booking heels, it, heat is more important than wins and losses, I believe, and I think. I think the NWO, like you talked about booking them like the NWO, I think that was prevalent in the NWO. Hollywood Hogan never lost. Some of the underlings in the NWO certainly would, though then everyone would come down and and the opponent would get their butts kicked pretty quick. When Hollywood Hogan would lose, he'd like say 1996 against Roddy Piper in The Sleeper, the very next night on Nitro, the NWO went to the production truck and stole the tapes. So unless you bought the pay-per-view, you never saw Hogan lose and they just acted like he didn't lose and they kept their heat. And if anything made it made themselves even hotter and uh, you know, you can still book damage control that way. I don't think wins and losses are that important here. All right. On to the next topic. And I think it's uh, been Tony's favorite topic of the last couple of weeks, you know, as we get his hopes up for a certain return, only for him to be so disappointed at Extreme Rules when it doesn't happen. <laughs> but we've got several more White Rabbit clues uh, this week, especially on Friday night. Uh, there was a QR code that appeared at the very end of a Carrying Cross backstage promo that led to this video here with the three little pigs and a big bad wolf with some all animated but with some very scary images stitched in between uh we would also get in that video some morse code that was that said azazel reborn in this video in the source code of this video was a phone number which which when called 
you would hear a demonic voice speaking backwards. Of course, when this voice is played frontways, it would say Bravo, Echo, Lima, Alpha, India, Romeo. I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way into eternal sorrow. And of course, some people were able to speed up the message and pitch it up as well. And it does sound quite a bit like Bray Wyatt. To me, it does, and to Tony. What do you guys think? Listen to it here. Bravo. Echo. Lima. Alpha. India. Romeo. I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way into eternal sorrow. Now, another interesting thing I found uh, while I was looking up uh, the Extreme Rules match card on WWE.com, and a lot of the graphics are kind of interesting here. You notice the Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan one's fine. I'll go ahead and pop into the Bianca Belair and Bailey one. And it's, you know, it's whatever. It's kind of a Halloweenish October, you know, extreme rules with some barbed wire, whatever. You know, whatever. It's whatever. It's a typical WWE uh, PLE graphic uh, these days. Nothing too special. But I'll go back and let's go. We see the women's match. Let's go to a men's match here. And you can already see it's a little different. Let's go to uh, and Cross and Drew McIntyre. And look over on the left. You've got a trash can there that's got a fire coming out of it. You've got a lantern up hanging up above it. And in between them, you've got some fireflies up over there to the left of Drew McIntyre's face. Interesting stuff. All of the men's matches have that. None of the women's matches do. Um, as you can see here, as we get further into, let me go into the preview and we'll see more matches here. But uh, you can see there, Bailey and Bianca doesn't have it, but they've got it. The men's matches do. And the only, all of them have that green and purple look except for one match, and that's this one here Finn Balor and Edge. For whatever reason, instead of green, it's got a red tint to it along with the purple, which is really actually kind of nice looking. It pops really well, but the colors of the fire over the trash pan comes out and uh, as long as, as well as the glow of the fireflies. So that's really interesting that that one's a little bit different, but uh, just perhaps another clue as to who is coming with the white rabbit. Then again, maybe this is just random coincidence, who knows? It could be anything at this point. All right, and we're back. I had to, we had to pause because uh, Tony was mid-story, but it's a ridiculous story anyway, it doesn't matter. But he was mid-story telling you about some of the creepiness that's been going around his, his house. And uh, he was realizing the camera was moved and he, I was getting no video from him. All while we're talking about creepy white rabbit stuff. 
He's had a lot of stuff going on in his house the last couple of nights. I don't know. I don't know. He's he's creeped out. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely Shootski, guys. The fucking... If you can see my fucking arm right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alright, so that's that's the next uh, video idea for Bomb Media Productions. We'll do a, a ghost hunting video. Bullshit. <laughs> No, you don't want to. You don't want to bring a a whole bunch of ghost two, ghost hunting two, equipment to your house and catch capture a bunch of voices and ghosts talking to you. There's two things, three things the grizzly villain doesn't fuck with: pedophilia, incest, and the devil. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, so back to the white rabbit. Uh. Jeez, I don't even know where we were at telling all this. Oh, we were talking about we were so, talking about um, the. Uh, let me get back to that page. We were talking about the extreme rules graphics here and how uh, Finn Balor and Edge had a red one instead of a green one. What What do you think of all this? Uh, what seems so, likely to be Bray Wyatt? You know. You know there's a part of me that sees all the stupid stuff that all these marks keep putting online. Like, if you look at Wyndham's bio, he has a red circle emoji in it. And there's a red circle around the white rabbit. And it's just like, alright, now we're now we're taking a stretch. But then I find myself doing the same fucking bullshit. He has a history with Finn Balor. Allegedly, Finn Balor's getting some crazy fucking push to the moon soon. He, by proxy, has a history with Edge through Randy Orton, team-rated RKO. In his latest video, it's Bel Air, spelled in Alpha Phonetics. Bel Air is teaming with Alexa Bliss, who is the witch. And, And then I do this shit, and I piss myself off. Because I've been pissing everyone off on the IWC since last week's episode where I've been swearing up and down and telling everybody and anybody that it's going to be Joe Gacy. And then I get called a fucking idiot for an hour and a half by everyone online and then somebody actually listens to me and they Google Joe Gacy White Rabbit and they see that awesome image of him in the mask and the fucking clown get up and the, all the cool shit that we showed on the show last week. You should be paying attention, you cocksuckers. And then I get apologies. So, I don't know what to believe anymore, man. But right now behind me, there's a fucking spider board like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And I'm just Charlie. And I'm losing my mind on it. Yeah, and you brought up the Alexa Bliss thing. That's the, uh, that Belair is teaming with Bliss lately and apparently has an upcoming tag team match with her obviously she has her connection and history with Bray Wyatt and that goes back to what I was talking about in the Candice LeRae topic was Survivor Series War Games when we have what seems to be damage control and potentially two others versus perhaps Candice LeRae Asuka uh, Alexa Bliss, I thought, and Bianca Belair, and one other going to this match. Now it looks like maybe Alexa's going to flip sides, if your theory is correct here. 
if Bray Wyatt returns, and it does seem to be that way. Though, Alexa's not on the Extreme Rules card here, so if he makes his return, then though the rumor is he's not actually necessarily going to appear in person, if it is him, it's just going to be made clear that it is him. Maybe in some pre-tape segment or something, he'll appear, but then he won't actually appear until later on. So they've built this thing up, and we get a resolution of who at Extreme Rules, but then you build up his actual return further down the road, which is which is actually really smart when you think about it, because it's now you've built this thing up, and you've got everyone wondering who the fuck it is, and they're tuning in to find out who the fuck it is. Then you reveal who it is, but they're still he's not actually there yet. So you can still increase the anticipation for when he actually does show up. I think I think that's brilliant. If that's what indeed comes to pass. So do I. I mean, it, you know, if it's like the return of the Firefly Funhouse just in the middle of some match. You know, something like that. I mean, perfect example of that would be The Fiend's original run with the Firefly Funhouse. And I say that because even though I was born in the 90s, I was too young to remember the Satanic Panic. But the closest I've ever felt to the Satanic Panic... Other than tonight? ...was my daughter... Other than tonight, was my daughter watching YouTube and hearing the familiar intro to the Firefly Funhouse, not putting two and two together, and then hear my daughter screaming because it is, in fact, the Firefly Funhouse that somehow... WWE slid some money into somebody's pocket to fuck with the algorithm, and they were literally airing the Firefly Funhouse skits on YouTube Kids. Oh, wow. Figure that one out, because I can't. <laughs> to this day, my daughter still has fucking nightmares about it. <laughs> literally just bought the Wyatt Gym t-shirt. The Wyatt Gym tank top. I was wearing that bitch to the gym when I was getting all thick and juicy back in the day. And then I had to throw that goddamn shirt out, because every time my daughter saw it, she had a PTSD flashback. Oh, I'm sorry to laugh, but uh, that's that's just hilarious. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry she's having nightmares, though. That's great. I don't know how that ended up in YouTube Kids. The Firefly Funhouse in YouTube no, Kids, but that's great. The fucking realist in me finds it hilarious. The father, of course. Me, on the other hand, finds it a little like, ooh, that's dodge a bullet. <laughs> All right, uh, that's uh, it for the White Rabbit. A whole bunch more teases. The Big Bad Wolf, revel in what you are. We've got fireflies and lanterns appearing. Go ahead. Maybe prematurely, but WWE also released a new Bray Wyatt toy that's exclusive. And it's of the Bray Wyatt that you see in the graphic down there. It's the Mad Hatter Bray Wyatt. Which... Either this is... The greatest fucking troll of all time. And Triple H has the entire wrestling community by the short and curlies. And we just all need to bow down and praise Papa Trips. Or it's Bray Wyatt. Yeah. At this point, I think it's it's got to be Bray Wyatt. Otherwise, you'll have so many pissed off people. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, that'll do it for that topic. We'll go ahead and move on to our quick jabs. A little bit of a slow news week here. I've only got one quick jab set up, um, and that is just uh, Sasha Banks. She's uh, 
finally changed her Twitter ha- Twitter handle. She's no longer Sasha Banks WWE. She's simply Mercedes Vernardo, which a lot of people are going, oh no, is she actually coming back to WWE? Do you think this has anything to do with whether or not she returns? Yes and no. And this is what I was alluding to earlier when we were talking about the change for War Games. Um... It's no secret, Sasha has caught in the acting bug. You know, after her appearance in The Mandalorian, and I believe there's a few other projects, huge projects actually, that are just escaping me at this point in time, that she's uh, been confirmed to have signed on for. Going by your actual name is something that just comes with the territory. John Cena got lucky and got to go by John Cena. We've seen it recently with The Rock going by Dwayne Johnson for all of his films. Um, So I don't think that necessarily means that Sasha's done with WWE, but I see it as a good thing. I don't think it has any bearing whatsoever on whether or not she's returning to WWE, whether she's already had talks with them, whether she hasn't. I, I think... It takes a few weeks for this to get done anyway, so it's probably been something she's been trying to get done for a little while now with Twitter. It can take a minute. So that I don't think it has any bearing on whether or not right now what her feelings are as far as coming back to WWE. Though certainly she's got a lot of acting things possibly. We've got Mandalorian Season 3 coming up uh, at the beginning of next year. Maybe she appears in that. There's going to be a lot of Mandalorian stuff. Uh, she, of course, appeared at the end of Season 2. Or in the middle of Season 2. She did not appear. She did appear at the end of Season 2 in a big scene with Luke Skywalker. There was Sasha Banks. But, you know, she could come back for that. There's a whole lot of other stuff. I think she has a good opportunity in the acting world. And that might make her just a part-time wrestler if she does come back to WWE. So... To quote the Good Brothers, you fucking nerd. <laughs> and you see it behind me, the Star Wars stuff. And by the way, I've got Andor reactions on a separate channel. Uh, that It's the channel that will eventually house Qualified Human. Uh, I'm still working on getting that channel really up and running. Uh, and horror reviews, because... Nothing enough in my life is creepy enough. I agreed to review horror movies for the fucking time. <laughs> Starting with Smile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Shoot. Uh, that movie's coming out this week. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll record a review for that. We'll put that on that channel. It's called uh, BMP Pop Explosion. BMP for Bomb Media Productions Pop Explosion. And... We'll have Qualified Human on there. I'll We'll have reactions, trailer reactions, movie reviews, the occasional show reaction. As I said, Star Wars Andor I've got on there right now. And Qualified Human once that is ready to go here very shortly. Once I get the channel really up and running. But right now it's just kind of a slow trickle as I move things around. Uh, Tony, there is something you wanted to talk about here in a quick jab segment. What was that? You know, honestly, I'm blanking on it, but while we were sitting here, I thought of another quick jab to bring up. Um, I think we can easily agree. One of the greatest stick handlers of our time. One 
Maxwell Jacob Freeman said last week in a tweet, and I quote, strive for greatness. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it appears as Liv Morgan took that as a challenge, and she strove for greatness. Strove. That's not a fucking word, but I'm making it a word now. She strived for greatness, and she took a picture with MJF, and it fucking broke the internet for 24 hours. But I didn't care, because I was Hurricane Ian. (laughs) Yes, uh, on that note... Uh, me and Tony, incredibly lucky, lucky at one point the storm was headed right for us and it turned a little further to the east, which meant it hit a couple hours south of us and then turned further into the state and came out the Atlantic. We're very lucky, but our fortune is the misfortune of many people down south and a lot of family and friends that we know down there, they're in our thoughts for sure. Um, hopefully they can get through this, especially the Fort Myers area, Fort Myers Beach, Naples. Uh, just just uh, absolutely devastating images coming out of there the last few days. And I'm still seeing, you know, people worried about missing family members and stuff like that on some Facebook groups that I'm a part of. It's just, it's devastating and it's, it's hard to hear. Um, so our thoughts are with them for sure and with their families and everyone down there. Um, Speaking of that, if you don't mind throwing a caveat to that um certain event one of my guests on one of those episodes of qualified human his he lives in fort myers uh he bartends down there that bar will be gone um another friend of mine who i do a podcast with called the man cave where we discuss men's mental health that's a selfless dude dan ramsey just lost his home due to hurricane ian uh, so within the coming days, if you follow me on any of my social medias, I'm going to start announcing things for fundraisers that we're going to be. I mean, for as much as we would like to help everybody, that something happened, I'd at least like to do something for those that I can actually do something for. Absolutely. Go, go follow uh, Anthony. His All of his uh, social media is down in the description. All you got to do is click on it and hit follow. And yeah, go ahead and donate donate to the, if you can, donate to uh, what he's talked about there. Uh, and follow uh, Bomb Media Productions on social media as well. All those links are down in the description on the YouTube page. If you're listening on the podcast, sorry that last week's episode came a little bit late. I uh, thought I'd uploaded it and then I didn't check it for a few days and then went on to my... Uh, google podcast app and saw that the podcast wasn't on there i don't know what happened but i uploaded it pretty late so uh i apologize for that but this one will definitely be up on time and in fact a little bit early a lot of times the podcasts drop earlier than the actual youtube video does on sundays so uh you got anything else to add tony well i would much rather come late than come too soon i'll agree with you there all right That'll do it. You, <laughs> you scrumptious little Christmas pudding, you. All right. We're having so much fun with that William Regal, and uh, that's good stuff. All right. You guys have a good week. We'll see you later. Proceeding announcement 
has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.